views expressed on the International Internet Strangers podcast do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the United Kingdom, the United States, their respective societies for the prevention of cruelty to animals, or postal services. Well, that was just absolutely barely audible, wasn't it? Oh, I'm glad you said that. I thought it was just me. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, yeah. Look at the line here. Let's let's give a live read. Let's let's Bill O'Reilly this. <clears throat> the views expressed on the International Internet Strangers mixtape do not necessarily represent the opinions of the United States, the United Kingdom, their respective societies for the prevention of cruelty to animals or postal services. Bravo! Wow, Bravo. one take. Look at that. All right. <laughs> Beautiful babies. Uh, welcome. Once again, to the International Internet Strangers Mixtape, uh, I'm Damon. And I am Zen. Yeah, I don't have a clever intro this time. Um, uh, let me check my notes, see if I've got any good follow-up to the end of uh, uh, Prize for the First Runner-Up. Oh, here's what I've got. Mm. Uh, one thing I looked up, it is lowest off to your right. I don't know how I, I put Kings Lynn is the home of the darkness, but, um, okay. So I have our, uh, official rankings so far. Oh yeah. Something that I, I didn't have for, uh, for the last episode, something I've been wildly neglectful of. And now that I think I, I don't even have the, uh, don't ever judge me clip on the soundboard app right now. Oh no. So everybody, I'm going to take a second picture 1999, Corey Taylor yelling, don't ever judge me. Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, so Zen's random stuff. Um, you gave an eight out of 10 for intent and Ooh. a six out of 10 actual. Mm -hmm. uh, 154 minutes A, I gave a 6.5. Disc B, I gave a 7.8. And uh, combined, I gave a 7.2. Uh, and then your total for, or your, your, uh, rating for a prize for the first runner-up was a five. Mm. So. Yeah, I, I stand by that. I you still stand by the five? My, uh, my best work. No. Not as good as the first one, you say? Um, no, I don't think so. Okay. All right. Well, there we <laughs> go. Actual rankings or ratings. Uh, I think that's all I had written down oh i need to find the disco version of bring the disco king it's twice it's come up on the show and twice i've not found that disco version of it to post yeah i i've never heard it i don't i don't even know if it's if it's out there it must be surely surely somewhere it's not uh the bat girl <laughs> apparently it, it is uh so so if if you don't know listeners they made a bat girl movie mm. and uh, when Discovery, the channel, not the credit card, bought uh, HBO or bought Warner Brothers, they said, well, they bought Warner Brothers, but couldn't afford to buy Warner Brothers. So they had to cut a whole bunch of stuff uh, to save money. And uh, the Batgirl movie was one of the victims of, uh, of that sort of purge. And because they told the IRS so it could be a tax write-off they said well we can't make money on this they have to prove they can't make money on this by never showing it to anybody so there have what been a, a few waste. yeah it's 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 pretty awful 
for a, a streaming service, HBO Max, that had it's I I would say it's it's currently I mean as of four months ago I would say it's the best of the the big streamers best of the ones I have at least um, it's yeah got the most I mean we don't have I it watch. over here but like so many good shows are coming from you know HBO and yeah yeah so like it greater... just seems criminal doesn't it to have a film that is ready in the can yeah. It's like no, we're not. No one's going to see that. Ready in the can and desired. It's not. Yeah. You know, it's not like the creators hated it and want it hidden. That yeah, I can see that. If you want it hidden, you you do that. If you if you want to, you know, one step further than an Alan Smithy, you I guess delete it from existence. But do you, do you think that they were like really paranoid after the whole Morbius thing? Uh, I, know, I, I know that know. that wasn't those people, but right, yeah, like they saw what what Sony did, where yeah, yeah, Sony thought everybody loved Morbius, and they put it twice again back into theaters. I think. Yeah, I love that. Everyone on the internet was just like trolling them, like, "Oh yeah, if you put it on in the cinemas now, we will go and see it. We <laughs> promise." It's absolutely Morbin time. Yeah, pretty. Yeah, but that girl's like an established character. If you look, you know before the movie was about to come out we already liked batgirl mm. it's not like there was a huge morbius fandom maybe there was oh, and i just missed it but i don't think there was i'm pretty sure there wasn't there's an ironic fandom but I yeah think that's more about the memes than the actual movie and and i gotta say like just you know my, my one of my perspectives on on comics is uh ryan north's run on the unbeatable squirrel girl and, you know, so there's like a Craven storyline and you're like, oh yeah, Craven. But if Morbius isn't even like fun enough to make a Squirrel Girl storyline or a cameo. Right. I don't know, man. Like That's the, your measure. They made good use out of Mole Man. Not that I would expect a Mole Man movie, but. No, I've only ever really encountered Squirrel Girl through the, uh. The animated stuff. Oh, cool! Uh, the hero, like Miss Marvel and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forget what that yeah. was called. Uh, yeah, I watched a, a couple of those, but yeah, it's it's a really good. It's like if I can recommend one comic book run, I'm not the guy who's going to come in here and say read Frank Miller's Daredevil stuff. Mm. I don't know. I haven't read it, um, <laughs> but the guy who does dinosaur comics online had an amazing run at the Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. Nice. I do, this is a massive tangent, but um, I enjoy slash am amused by uh, the way that American people pronounce squirrel. Oh, sure. <laughs> it's one syllable for you. How does that work? I don't it's know. I don't know I like how it. the word works anywhere, honestly. One of the, the fun things uh, on YouTube is you can try to find, like there's clips, uh, collections of German people trying to say squirrel. Amazing. And it just oh, wow, it's, yeah. phonetically does not translate. It's like I, I can only say it if I don't think about the word. <laughs> the more you think about it, is it what? This is Mus, Musen's, you end up, uh, you know, Boris and Natasha, Moose and Squirrel. I, I just, yeah, I remember like watching RuPaul's Drag Race and being really confused why they say squirrel friends. 
but it's because it rhymes with girl in America. Yeah. Girl, girl friends, squirrel friends. I don't yeah. know. And that's every uh, collection, every squirrel girl collection is a, a pun that hinges on that. Squirrel, you know it's true, uh, etc. See? Cultural. That was lost on me. But there we go. Yeah, that's 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 the root of this show. That's exactly what I wanted to get <laughs> get into how how the different countries and and accents pronounce different mammals. Yeah. Uh, all right. So for this episode, I uh, wanted to do something a little different, and uh, because Zen and I discussed this, and we realized there's there's not a ton of. Uh, content that meets our typical criteria for the show uh mm. in that we've only done so many mixtapes over the last 20 years and uh you know to kind of pepper things throughout to keep the to keep you the beautiful babies interested forever is mm-hmm. uh I, I wanted to visit uh some albums that i like i grew up with and not like as a teen developing cool, interesting musical taste, but like as a child who likes to hear sounds. <laughs> um, and so today we will be focusing on Billy Joel's 11th studio album, 1989's Stormfront. Yeah. So uh, one of one of the concepts when we were kind of figuring out what the show was going to be, one of the concepts I, I had uh considered was uh going through the billy joel catalog from the beginning because i i've I've always listened to billy joel but i realized like like in 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 my head and and i'm i can't be the only one uh i've always kind of associated billy joel and elton john okay And, and like they've toured together and and stuff like that they they're pop stars who play piano but Elton John is so much cooler. Like he, he's got so much more like cool kid credibility. Yeah. Like he, uh, he, I mean, Billy Joel wasn't in any of the who's films. Sure. Yeah. Or so what, what, Elton was also in Sergeant Peppers, right? I'm not sure actually. He would have at least been considered if he, if he wasn't. Hmm. But that's, it's really interesting to hear you say that because obviously, you know, as a Brit, Elton John's legend, um, mm-hmm. but I would have thought you'd have that kind of American love for Billy Joel as, you know. Yeah, well, there there is like, you know, on Long Island, absolutely. Right, right, uh, right Billy right. Joel's absolutely a Long Island hero, the way, you know, uh, Springsteen and Bon Jovi are beloved by New Jersey. Yeah. But Springsteen's got, you know, a cool factor that the, the whole nation loves. Mm-hmm. Um, Billy Joel was never going to do a podcast with Barack Obama. <laughs> it, and so it, it was funny because I, I had revisited like The Stranger, I think, which was the other album that we, we'd considered doing today. Mm-hmm. Um. And I think there there is still with early Billy Joel, there's still like uh, an edge, I want to say, 
some something close to it at least hmm. but stormfront his second to last studio album is he stopped releasing new pop music in 93 uh by that time it's he's like a a a, a superstar you know like he's he's hmm. huge he's selling incredible amounts of uh songs about christy brinkley um he is he is the world's number one source of songs about christy brinkley and we we forget that about him but that reference but is lost on me i'm nodding and smiling but okay i oh that feels i feel so much better about the whole christy brinkley thing she's a model she was a huge model in the 80s married to billy joel for a while uh, mm. mother of his daughter alexa ray um and that's the only context I have for Christy Brinkley is right. people say, oh yeah, you know, Uptown Girls about Christy Brinkley. And I'd say, cool. This is how I know Christy Brinkley. The name sounds like a, a news anchor. Yeah. Like it sounds like she does national news, but she was a hu huge model. But all that culturally for me never came up yeah. because she was the Uptown Girl and that's all I knew. Wow. There you go. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, I, my, my kind of touch points with Billy Joel are very few and far between. Um, 1989's Oliver and, no, 1988's uh, Oliver yeah. and Company. Um, <laughs> see, the soundtrack. That, exactly. No, see, that's, a, that's another thing. If we're, if we're, and maybe I'm forcing this, but if we're comparing Billy Joel and Elton John, Mm. Oliver and Company is no Lion King. I, I mean, it's not, but uh, and to I be still love it. <laughs> to be fair, I really only knew, and to this day, basically only still know, Oliver and Company from ads at the front of, maybe it was at the front of the Lion King, but we had, you know, a handful of Disney clamshell box movies. Mm. And they'd say, hey, these movies are out of the vault. Come buy them while you can you know, the great mouse detective and Aristocats. And, um, one of them was Oliver and company. It's like, Hey, we got songs by Billy Joel. Yeah. And that's my connection base. I've seen it once, maybe twice. Um, see, cause, cause I am a ginge and I don't know, little kids are weird. I was really <laughs> obsessed with ginger things when I was very small. Okay. So like I, I had lots of toys that were like, you know, ginger cats. Uh -huh. Um, like a Roger Rabbit doll with the orange oh, okay. hair, you sure. know, Ariel from Little Mermaid. Obviously. If it had red hair, I yeah. wanted it. But I think, I think, yeah, because Oliver and Company is about a little ginger cat. I was like, this is oh, my yeah. This is my jam. It, it is, isn't it? I only <laughs> ever picture the dogs, honestly. Yeah. Because they're, you know, the highlights of the trailer that played before Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. And one of the dogs is Billy Joel because he's got sunglasses. Yeah. Dodger, I guess. Oh, really? Kind of the equivalent of Dodger. Yeah. Pretty sure huh. it was called Dodger. So I, guess, I mean, I've got the Disney Plus. I guess there's no excuse not to actually watch Oliver and Company. <laughs> but I had, I had the Lion King soundtrack for months before I saw the movie. Right. So I knew all these songs and had kind of put together a story in my head not were you close <laughs> no 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 not at all um, 
amazing. A 10-year-old did not figure out the Hamlet-based plot of The Lion King based on Can You Feel the Love Tonight and Be Prepared. Mm. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so any, any other, like, Billy Joel touchstones or connections? I mean, I, I guess, like, the, the kind of the very well-known songs would have been on the radio or kind yeah. of played at, I don't know, family birthday parties or something but you know it, it, we didn't have any tapes or records or anything at home mm-hmm. um of his that i knew of and then in more recent years um my mate will is a strange chap and uh <laughs> we we went where were we we were in hmm, we used to go on these like european trips with work and I think it, we were either in Estonia or Germany um, and we all went out and got very, very drunk. And then the next morning as a way of expressing his like, uh, you know, unhappiness and terrible hangover, okay, we walked yeah. around singing Uptown Girl at about half speed in a thick Ooh. Welsh accent. Okay. It was Something very weird. <laughs> Actually, no, I wasn't, I wasn't hung over, but I was driving home from work last night singing Power Man 5000, like Matt Berry. Okay. I, I, like I accidentally, like I wasn't quite getting the spider one growl and somehow stumbled over into a, hang on to tomorrow for tonight, the stars revolt. I don't know. Yep. Yeah. It was fun in the car. I'll give it that much at least. I love it. That's great. But yeah, that's 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 about it, really. Uptown Girl will always be this kind of really weird, um, yeah. It's got yeah. weird associations, but and that that beats the Westlife cover. I gotta say. Oh yeah, I'd almost forgotten was about it, that. It was Westlife, right? It was a. Was it Westlife or Boyzone? No, you're right. It was okay. Westlife. Yeah. Yeah, because I I had been thinking it was Westlife this whole time until I said it out loud. I was like, was was it Boyzone? Who knows. The two um, Irish boy bands. <laughs> right, right. Um, uh, so on my side, uh, Billy Joel, especially the Stormfront album, um, it was it was one of those albums that was made available to me on my own as a kid. So mm. there was you know Paul Simon's Negotiations and Love Songs, um, Queen. Uh, the two like classic Queen and Queen's greatest hits, the the red one and the blue one, mm-hmm. um, couple a couple of other you know things that that were like oh the, you know the, oh some Tom Petty, was like oh the the kid he's, I'm I'm eight through ten or whatever, and this was the the music that was was there. Uh, Billy Joel's greatest hits I, I listened to a fair amount, uh, Stormfront and River of Dreams, and. We didn't start the fire. It's it's funny because it's a, a, a and we'll, we'll get more into it when we when we hit the song. But it's a litany of things that I don't remember happening, mm. and that appeals to no one more than kids and people exactly Billy Joel's age. Yeah, but like musically, it's it's for children. It's it's kind of events. Uh, that kind of happened between the the late forties and the late eighties. Yeah, I think yeah. But yeah, I like you said we'll we'll get to it in a minute. But 
because I kind of set myself the challenge to listen to the album beforehand. So I'd never heard it before. Which I appreciate. I, I paid a bit more attention to the lyrics this time around. Um, I was like, oh, this is actually quite a serious song. <laughs> yeah, for for the tone it takes. Hmm, yeah. Um, all right, so... Yeah, so uh, I remember, like, I remember the cassette with the the storm flag on the cover. Uh, I remember looking through the liner notes, possibly the you know like my earliest memory of looking through the liner notes. Mm. And for some reason, I had like, I didn't know what good drumming was necessarily, but I knew that I liked we didn't start the fire, and I you know was had some kind of identification with drummers. Like, oh, drumming, maybe I'm going to play drums. I don't know what it was. But I have always known that the drummer, I guess up until 2006 for Billy Joel's band, was Liberty DeVito. It's a great name. Yeah. Um, Any relation? Uh, Danny? Uh, DeVito with two T's. So oh. it's it's not the same. But his his first name is... Uh, Liber- if I was better at Italian. Let me pull up his Wikipedia here. Uh, Liberatori. Liberatori, Liberty, DeVito. Um, And so that's that's a a thing. And then a couple weeks ago on uh, Comedy Bang Bang, somebody chose to make a deep pull. Uh, They're talking about like a a Billy Joel concert and making up something that happened, like rats attacked. And he jumped up right at Liberty, DeVito. And I was like, yes, I remembered a thing that someone else said. I'm that age. (laughs) Um, All right. Well... Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. Lawrence? Yeah, Stormfront, 1989, 11th studio album. Uh, comes after a th- three-year break. Uh, the previous album had been The Bridge. I forget what the big single was off there, but looking at the track listing, there was like one big hit mm-hmm. um, on that one. And so on this album, uh, he had stopped working with producer Phil Ramone. And it was produced by Mick Jones, not of The Clash, (laughs) but a foreigner. Okay. And I, until researching the album, I didn't know that there was a Mick Jones in Foreigner. Uh, no, so, I just, yeah, I assumed you meant the dude from The Clash. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I saw that. I was like, oh, like Big Audio Dynamite? I don't hear it on the album, but okay. No. Uh, oh, I, I really want to hear, obviously, it can never happen now, a Clash cover of We Didn't Start the Fire. Ooh, that interesting. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, okay, so um, the first thing that you'll hear on the album is that we're, we're going to be punished by the 80s. It's it's 1989. We've had the entire decade built up, and now we know what it sounds like. Uh, and it sounds like this. I need to turn this up, don't I? Let's try this again. It sounds like um, the intro to Roseanne. Yeah, if, if yeah. It, it we could, could be like Bon Jovi or something. It's, yeah, you know... it's it's got that like 
blue hard blues rock sound something i'm gonna like blame george thorogood for okay um and one of the things like re-listening to billy joel stuff as an adult i was like okay there's all these songs are from something else musically like I, I don't feel like you hear a lot of innovation from Billy Joel, but you hear like a collection of of what he's been listening to. I That's think. really interesting because, yeah, coming at it kind of fresh, uh-huh. there were a couple of tracks that I was just like, oh, well, this this sounds a lot like this other thing. I'm I'm but... interested to to see your because there's one in particular that that really hit me on this listen through, mm. um, that. Uh, that I, I, I think you may have picked up on as well. So, but yeah, starting the album, I've listened to it three times in the last four days. Uh, but yeah, this one really hit me. I was like, oh, this is that 80s blues rock, just like, mm-hmm. and you can you compare that, that harmonica to Piano Man, which is right. so earnest and so, uh, you know, so youthful. And, and this one that's a, a person who has sold, you know, 8 billion albums and it's, it's got the, just the drum tone that we can blame Phil Collins for like that yeah. gated, like, Pah! Oh, a, a, a couple things about the album, a couple things about the album. Um, how many singles do you think this 10 track album produced? Oh man. I mean, obviously I know, we didn't start the fire was a single that's kind of it's really hard to say what the other singles could have been well for sure like especially like this first song that's not her style could have been Mm. it sounds like the era it it definitely sounds like the radio i i I pulled that intro clip just because it sounded like roseanne but um here's well, no, we'll get to the proper clip in a second. We'll do some preliminary stuff. So, so yeah, I guess 10 songs, how many of them singles? I mean, just like financially, they would have gone for more than one single from an album. Right. But I'm really not sure which ones. I, mean, I, I don't know. I'm going to say like three. So according to, to Wikipedia, and I was utterly stunned to see this, seven. What? 70% of this album was released as a single. That's insane. That um, is utterly insane. Yeah. So between, uh, let's see, when was, uh, so we didn't start the fire September 27th, 89. And then the last single was released in 91. Whoa. They got their money's worth. It, yeah, they really did. So, um, so there's that. And then over the course of the three days that I was diving into this album, out of these 10 songs, how many do you think at some point made this guy cry? Oh, okay. Well, we've talked about, um, you know, crying at movies and stuff. I, I think you could be uh, persuaded to be weepy. I don't know though. Two. Okay, so we got a guess of two. We'll lock that in, and then as we progress through the album, we'll discuss it. Um, okay. I will say this: 
as the lesser songs on the album began to annoy me more than the good songs on the album began, uh, you know, lifted me up, that number dropped. But, uh, okay. So, uh, track one, that's not her style. Here's, here's a bit of it. So side one, track one, we jump into it with a song about Christy Brinkley. Um, a song about how the public's perception of what a supermodel's lifestyle must be like. Mm. Uh, it's just not an interesting song anymore to me. Uh, <laughs> I liked it as a kid. Uh, the clip I picked here, uh, I have I had always like sonically connected to She Wines and Dines with Argentines and Kuwaitis. That's fun. Yeah. I, I love a good demonym showing up in a song. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, listening listening to this album three times in three days, it this one definitely wore on me. It, mm. It's it's a very like it's a product of its time. I'm not that interested. In, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I think yeah, coming at it with freshes i kind of enjoyed some of the lyrics but yeah i wasn't like oh i want to listen to this again you know i wasn't going to add it to any of my playlists or anything yeah. oh and i think f when i figured out that it was about christy brinkley that mm. kind of brought it down a level like oh it's a fun song about somebody like a bunch of billy joel songs are fictional you know like slow story songs and stuff mm -hmm. i was like oh he's he's got a famous wife i don't i don't know it just it just kind of deflated it a touch yeah i don't know I, I kind of got that vibe i don't know why but in my head i was like oh it's like marilyn monroe or someone like that he's, you know sure yeah um obviously i didn't know that he was married to a supermodel that makes a lot more sense now mm -hmm. but yeah i don't know it's all right yeah, it's it, it's fine. Fifth it's single fine. from the album, single number five. And how did uh, it do? Oh, let's see. Let's see if it. Uh, we can find out how that charted. So released nineteen ninety. Uh, well, the cover art to the single is surprising. Uh, it it. I mean, Billy Joel, leather jacket, sunglasses, looking at the camera, next to a woman seated, facing away, nude. Oh, okay. So, unexpected uh let's see fifth single from stormfront opening track written for joel's then wife christy brinkley uh songs music video featured a live performance at yankee stadium four track ep was also released uh let's see us hot 100 that one peaked at 77 uh uk singles 97 us mm -hmm. mainstream rock it peaked at 18 yeah, I guess it's all well and good having seven singles, but uh doesn't mean they did that well. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I can't imagine you heard 
that's not her style too often on the radio, though it it, it seems like it fits in the era very well. Mm. Um, but talk about fitting in the era very well. Let's let's roll on. Yeah. Oh, that's the intro. That's not her style. Here we go. We didn't start the fire. Hmm. Uh, that's a song that my mother-in-law, as of about a year ago, didn't know. Whoa, okay. That that blew everybody's mind. All of us, you know, between, uh, so it would have been, I don't know, 36, between 36 and maybe the oldest kids, 41, 42. We all knew this song. Yeah. I do not know how she missed it, but. Wow. It apparently wasn't soft rock enough for the soft rock station. Fair. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so we, we didn't start the fire. What, what, what's your, what's your background on this one? Cause it's, I, I feel ubiquitous, you know? Oh yeah, totally. It's, you know, that it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's used in films and TV shows aside from anything else, but yeah, I just think of it as like a, a pop song from my childhood, you know? But I had never really listened to the lyrics. Like, there's there's a few key phrases from it that you know, I yeah, kind of space monkey mafia, right? Um, but yeah, it actually listening to it um, this week, and then some of the later songs that we'll talk about in a minute, kind of got me starting to wonder if this was some sort of like. Bear with me on this. Okay. There's a lot of songs about like sailors and mariners but there's also a lot of references to the cold war there there are yeah so i was like is this some sort of weird concept album have i missed something here is there some sort of like i don't know i felt like there was a thread that i was missing it's 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 almost there like Mm. it's not not directly a concept it's not you know like half it, I, you could probably divide it into roughly thirds, though. Songs about Christy, uh, songs about the sea, and then songs about the Cold War. Yeah, yeah. Of which I would put this in uh, in the Cold War category, obviously. Um, yeah. But the other thing that that kind of occurred to me listening to this this time round was, you know, we didn't start the fire. It's basically talking about how messed up the world is, and it's like, oh boy, yeah. We we need a a modern version of this, don't we? <laughs> yeah, and the, I mean, the, there's always you know some attempts to to pull an, another couple of verses mm. out of it. I I don't think I don't think he has done very much as far as that, but I I know like people will try. Um, so this came about the song came about. Uh, what I saw was he was Billy Joel was speaking to Sean Lennon's friend. So I'm assuming Sean was also there. Um, Sean was, or Sean's friend was 21. Billy was about to turn 40. And uh, the friend was talking about like, oh man, it's, it's the worst it's ever been and the world's so bad. And it got Billy thinking like, well, you know, we've had some stuff already. Yeah. Uh, and so the song goes from 1949 when uh, Billy was born as we'll learn in Leningrad, um, 
so starts in 49 goes up to 89 does it takes a lot of liberties with the 70s just skips right over honestly <laughs> I, I i was listening i was like this is the fourth verse and we just killed kennedy like i mean maybe maybe the the jfk is the end of the third verse but but it goes uh you know watergate 72 punk rock that's 75 77 like there's a huge jump we just like skip right up to aids crack bernie gets um mm. so you, you want to get all the contemporary stuff in there as well i guess but it i, I just thought that was funny that was something i, I really noticed on this listen i was like seven we oh wow we're really skipping along here once yeah after woodstock uh what else uh, do I have on here as his lyrics? Oh, this is uh, Billy Joel has said this is one of the songs where very few times has he written the lyrics before he had a melody to go with it. And he mm. says, You can really tell. Uh, he compared it to the buzzing of insects, I believe. Uh, okay. I was like, Yeah, I it's it's hard to listen to many times. Uh, mm. As an adult, as a kid, couldn't stop me, man. Uh, yeah. I didn't need that much of a chorus. Um, I do like listening to it now. I mean, you know, having having listened to it in full and quite intently, I probably don't need to listen to it again for a little while. Right. But, um, <laughs> I did. I, I just noticed that, you know, as an adult, I actually get most of these references now. Yeah. <laughs> They're not uh, just funny words. Yeah. Also, a lot of Southeast Asia references, like the, you know, uh, I, stuff that like wouldn't click in my head as a kid, but like looking at the mm -hmm. actual lyrics, like oh, that was the leader of South Vietnam, and uh, mm. uh, that's uh, you know Ho Chi Minh. You hear you know Ho Chi Minh, but uh, Lee and Kai, wh whoever rhymed with Bridge on the River Kwai, is like I don't know who that one is. No, to uh, be fair. Anyway, uh, there's those. Uh, what else was I going to say about? We didn't start the fight. A lot of lyrics I didn't understand as a kid, just fully mishearing thalidomide. I'd never um, heard of thalidomide. Uh, I heard the little mind, like children of the little mind, like, oh, these are ignorant children. I didn't know. I didn't know most of the references. Uh, that's a weird one. I feel like maybe... Did that did that happen in the US or did it just happen in the UK, the thalidomide oh, thing? No, I don't, I don't know uh, now oh, that okay. I think about it, but... Um, I, I guess for the beautiful babies who don't know, it was a, a medication given. To, it, it was specifically for pregnant people, right? Yeah, I'm. I'm or gonna was get it for something I'm else? Gonna, um, I'm gonna have to and, Google it now. But I think it was like a vaccine, which is where a lot of anti-vax stuff comes from. Uh, um, that was for pregnant women, and it had some. Um, it had a lot of side effects that caused like birth defects um, in children um it's specifically around like limbs or something i'm i'm gonna have to google it because i'm not doing this justice yeah it was yeah when i but when i found it, i was like oh that's a that's a grim one it's so because the tone of the song is fairly light-hearted honestly like you, you heard the jfk blown away like okay well that's gonna be our attitude rolling into the 90s i guess hmm And uh, while you're looking that up, I, I will, <laughs> for the record, note uh, on my first listen through uh, of this album, it would have been on, what's his, Saturday, Friday, Thursday, it would have been on Thursday, I think. 
this was the first song to get me uh weirdly emotional fully did not expect that yeah yeah i don't know if it was the altitude or or what if i want to throw excuses on something but yeah this is song number one wow yeah this is not particularly uh useful it was a a medication um used to treat a number of cancers and skin conditions um but yeah it led to uh blood clots neuropathy and in pregnancy uh resulted in malformation of the limbs so yeah yeah (laughs) yeah there is some really dark stuff in that song It, it kind of surprised me in a way it was almost like it kind of reminded me of like you know, you've got these like folk kind of protest songs. Yeah. Um, it's that kind of. Who am I thinking of? Um, brain's gone. No. Oh, okay. But yeah, it's it's like that, but with the most 1989 production you could fathom. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, uh, so, I mean. We talked for a million years about we didn't start the fire, but let's let's roll on. This is oh the first single from the album. We didn't start the fire. Of Obviously, course. that's your leadoff track, like your yeah. your album seller. All right, this is track three. One of the fishing songs. One of the fishing songs. uh, Downeaster Alexa, the fourth single. Uh, Oh. Yeah. Okay. Every once in a while, you look at the charts for a specific year and you said, that was that was on the radio okay they they played that for folks uh yeah so this is song number two that got me emotionally um a, a, a ballad about the you know difficulty of uh, you know, it, it's you know the loss of a way of life uh you can't uh i was a bay man like my father was before but you can't make a living as a bay man anymore uh, yeah this is the one where he's saying there's uh no place on the island for island folk like me or something yeah. like that. Yeah, that's that's the other aspect of it is Long Island becoming like this tourist destination mm. and uh, outside money pushing out locals who've, you know, had to, uh, like all my neighbors here, I had to sell my home because, well, there's more money in a being a, a summer home for somebody who's not there most of the year than for trying to fish. And that, that's still a problem. Like literally yesterday, I think I was in the car. I was listening to a program on the radio about, um, well, it wasn't about this, but it was in Devon. Um, and they were talking about exactly the same thing. It's still happening. Yeah. People who live on the coast trying to make a living. And, you know, it's it's more profitable to, to sell your house as um, Airbnb or whatever than it is to be a fisherman or yeah 
for as, as kind of traditional stuff vital and ancient as this profession is like it i you can't imagine the the actual history of of fishing and and it's just not glamorous and it's not big money it's extremely important and mm. needs but but you know it's not made easy so so yeah so that's one that that really got like like we didn't start the fire got me like a little bit a little in the in the ducks and then okay okay this sucks this whole yeah. this whole thing um i mean my favorite non-decemberists maritime ballad i think <laughs> okay i i do love the specifics like it's so like geographically mm. um i've charted a course or a yeah, the first lyric, I, I'm on my Downeaster Alexa, I'm sailing through Block Island Sound, I've charted a course for the vineyard, but tonight I'm Nantucket bound. It's all like, even uh, that reference in the clip I played to Atlantis, that's actually out there. That's one of the the, uh, the canyons that's um, oh, okay. also referenced. I didn't know that. I assumed I was, it was a reference to, you know, the, the, lost, the lost city, city yeah. of Atlant Atlantis or whatever. Which is funny because... I, that, that little verse, I picked that verse because I was like, oh, this, and that's in the middle of the song. It's not the final verse, but that sounds like, oh, this is a ghost story now. Mm, yeah. Tell my, tell my wife I'm trolling Atlantis and I still have my hands on the wheel. Like, yeah. oh, it's, he's the highwayman. This is, no, it's not. He's, it's just tell my wife I'm, I'm out here working. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I misinterpreted that as a, a kind of. Uh, it kind of made me think of like um, Space Oddity or something, you know, tell my wife oh, yeah. I love her very much. Exactly. Yeah. It had that like, oh, this is a ghost ship, but then the song mm. keeps going and it's, it's not, it just had that feeling for a little second. Oh, right. So this um, is one of the ones that I thought, oh, he was probably listening to that when, when he wrote this. Cause there's a few kind of very obvious references there. Oh, but then yeah. maybe not, maybe not. Yeah. Um, what's, what'd you hear? Thought, I mean, I've not actually checked the dates on this. It could be the wrong way around. But the uh, the the War of the Worlds musical, it's got that kind oh. of very like rocky. You got the synth in the background. Oh yeah, I yeah I don't know. I'm not I'm not familiar with that one. That's very um, I did learn uh, doing some research last night that violin solo that that faded out on the clip I played uh, mm. by famed Israeli American violinist Itzhak Perlman. Mm. who was one one of the old old twitter jokes that uh i think it was when i first started following i think it's a blaine kapatch joke when i first started following him on twitter was uh something like if if that's itzhak perlman on the tonight show then who's watching my cat <laughs> I don't, and so the name itzhak perlman has always stuck with me because that's great that's so random uh, yeah, War of the Worlds uh, musical was seventy eight, so that oh, would could track, be. But I don't know that that could just be my my musical in ignorance. Um, yeah, it's it's funny because I I just thought it was trying to bring like this nautical sound with the like the the drums the boom, like the big mm. echoey sparse. As as far as the production, I think it second favorite song on the album. Hmm. <clears throat> yeah, it was very atmospheric um and i know we've talked about this before with other people possibly with prince um but yeah it just 
it's a story. They're all stories with characters and yeah, they're quite engrossing, aren't they? Yeah. And, and, you know, doing the research, I learned a down Easter. It's a type of boat usually for like lobster fishing. Um, huh. Alexa, of course, is the name of his daughter named the ship and the song after his daughter. I think he might actually also own a boat. I mean, the man made all the money in the eighties. So sure, yeah. why wouldn't he? Um, yeah, so Down Easter Alexa, that's that's two songs so far. Uh, got me crying, <laughs> and uh, that uh, yeah, fourth single. I found a couple covers on on Spotify that are that are pretty good. I didn't expect modern musicians to really care about Down Easter Alexa, but there you are. I yeah. I appreciate it. Um, all right, yeah, let's let's roll on track. Uh, side one, track four. I go to extremes. Call me a joker, call me a fool Right at this moment I'm totally cool Clear as a crystal, sharp as a knife I feel like I'm in the prime of my life Sometimes it feels like I'm going to rest I don't know how long this feeling will last Maybe it's only tonight Darling, I don't know This was surely one of the singles. Yeah, this is the third single. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's really got that feeling. Um, I loved it as a kid. This was one of my favorites as, as a kid. And there's like little phrases in there that, you know, kind of the first time I'd really heard those. And that was always my connection to it. But nobody else is, you know, making mental connections to Billy Joel's, the third single yeah. from his 11th album. Um. I, it, I, it kind of feels like a um, a theme song for like a really eighties, I don't know, like a lawyer show or something, you know? Oh, it totally does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I well, see. Lyrically, I was thinking this is like the most musical, like stage musical. Mm, Clear yeah. as a crystal, sharp as a knife. I feel like I'm in the prime of my life. This is like the third song in maybe second song like you know there's like a, an introduction of greases the word i don't watch a lot of musicals uh, <laughs> and then you know we meet our high-powered executive lawyer or whatever and he's yeah. saying clear as a crystal sharp as a knife i feel like i'm in the prime of my life it's got a, yeah. a total total stage show feeling Definitely. Uh, again song about his relationship with christy brinkley and kind of an apology for his behavior mm. but poppy as hell yeah um i mean that's all i got for that one really i liked it a lot as a kid yeah um yeah i don't know um lyrically i enjoyed it um just yeah super poppy super 80s yeah um, one okay. of the more enjoyable tracks. Yeah, it's an obvious single, I think. Yeah, yeah, uh, totally. Okay. It, it is, a, is kind of a fun. Let's roll on to a side one, track five is Shameless. Shameless. Shameless as a man to be. You 
All right. Uh, so that is the, what was that? Oh, seventh and final single. Wow. So it's, uh, yeah, two, two years on after, um, yeah, released January 91. Crazy. Yeah. It's a, oh, well, this is an interesting, in, uh, just kind of glancing at the Wikipedia here. In 93 on stage in Boston, Joel introduced the song by saying, I wanted to write a song like a Jimi Hendrix song, you know? Back in the 60s, he was one of my idols, Jimi Hendrix. I don't hear that. I do not hear that. I mean, bless you, Billy Joel, but no. No, if anything, I mean, it's it's just a kind of like, yeah, late 80s, early 90s rock ballad. Like, yep. I could see, like, Aerosmith doing it or, like, even, like, Whitney Houston or something, you know, like oh, yeah. really belting it out. Well, You've let's... got those kind of gospel background backing vocals. Well, here, here is who who else did do that. It's out of my hands, I'm shaded. I don't have a problem now. I don't want it anyhow. So I gotta let it go. I'm shaded. Shame the signs of that can be. You can make a trouble for that's garth brooks from 1991's rope in the wind okay yeah i did not i did not figure out who that was (laughs) yeah well yeah i mean i I wouldn't expect you necessarily to uh backing vocals by his future wife trisha yearwood which i just learned uh yeah so shameless one of the uh songs I don't know why in the summer of 2003, there's like a particular set of songs I learned on guitar. Um, You Learn by Alanis Morissette was among them. And then Shameless was, was one of those. Uh, I think Margaritaville was that time as well. Nothing I remember now, but anything that, you know, didn't require anything more fanciful than an F chord. I was, I was ready for. So, Seamus, uh, interesting, I, again, looking at Wikipedia, I, it tells you how Garth Brooks came to uh, cover the song. Uh, from the liner notes of his compilation, The Hits, he says, he, he basically explains that he joined uh, Beautiful Babies, go ahead and take a, a shot here, BMG uh, <laughs> Music Club. He doesn't mention them specifically, but I'm going to say it was BMG. Uh, and, you know, they sent him you know, a bunch of, uh, a bunch of the CDs. He went, he says he went six months with no one to check the mail. He comes home, he's got six CDs and Stormfront was one of them. Uh, yeah. He's like, I hadn't listened to Billy Joel since the late seventies, probably glass houses, but he loved this album. Okay. And was, <laughs> and then by the time he had recorded a, a, a cover of it in 91, it had become the final single from. <laughs> right just fantastic so so that's shameless it's a fun it's a fun little little one it's a good enough cover it it it, and after knowing the garth brooks one listening to the billy joel one it sounds very country Mm, yeah but you know it just didn't commit to the to the steel guitar and sometimes that's that's the whole difference i love when there are parallel singles um 
it's like how in the the 50s and 60s you'd have uh uh the same song by a, a white group and a black group just yeah. what's acceptable to what group so you'd have the same thing with country music yeah <laughs> so you've got the pop billy joel version in the the country garth brooks version or i don't want to miss a thing uh there was the aerosmith version there was a country version at the same time there's a, a few of those ah. uh all right, so that that ends side one. Do you have anything else on Shameless? Uh, no, not really. Just um, yeah, I I can't get out of my head. I'm just imagining Steven Tyler doing it now. Oh yeah, <laughs> it it really like it. It's one of those songs. Like when I found out the Aerosmith didn't write, I don't want to miss a thing. It was pitched to them for the movie. Mm-hmm. That made perfect sense, and that makes sense why it was also pitched to a country artist. Um, I wonder if you could do a good R&B version of I Don't Want to Miss a Thing. Like if, if it could have gone to like Brian McKnight or... I can see it. I can see it working, yeah. But yeah, this Shameless definitely I feel like could have been, like you said, like a Whitney Houston or... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, so let's start uh, side B of the record. Mm-hmm. This is the title track. They told me to So that's the title track. That's Stormfront. Somehow, yeah. not a single. Yeah, that's mad. I mean, we're talking about um, he, he seems to wear his influences on his sleeves a bit. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah, who did you just... who did you hear on this one? Uh, Sledgehammer by Peter Gabriel. <laughs> exactly, Sledgehammer by Peter Gabriel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, I heard it and then I saw it, and so yeah, definitely. And that, like the horns on it. Oh yeah, just it's, it's, they could be they could be uh, siblings. The, the yeah. songs. Um, another very nautical. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. This I, is one of the. I listen to a lot of Decemberists. I've never heard another song mention the Beaufort scale. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's fun. It's kind of a nothing thing but like musically it's great it's i i didn't grab the the clip i and i should have but the it's got such like a weird breakdown like it's more artsy than i think any you know in a like a peter gabriel sort of way like mm. playing with the rhythms and the the horns and stuff cuts out and comes in it's it's got a real interesting breakdown uh mm. i wish I'd, I'd grab that but yeah it's it's fun I like it. It's an okay tune. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't bum me out the way like that's <laughs> not her style kind of does. He's like, oh, it's yeah. it's fine. Um, it's it did confuse me because uh, that's the inter- you know uh, cultured as I was as an eight year old. That's my introduction to the term mood indigo, which I always thought was a weather term, but it's not. It's it's just this blues song from the the 
oh it's i think miles davis okay it's not it's not weather related at all i always kind of thought it was no so but never even considered it so <laughs> but yeah just very very peter gabriel and i appreciate it i'm glad he did it do you think maybe it, that's why it wasn't a single though is that they were like this is great but um, the critics are just going to say you've ripped off Sledgehammer, so... You know, that might actually be it. That's There's some basis to that. Yeah. But it's it's part of the 30% of the album that wasn't released for radio play. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So, big, fun, bouncy, no problem. And then, Leningrad. So, my child. All right, so this is song number three uh, that emotionally wrecked me. Yeah. It, it always has. Like, even, even when I was, like, pretty young and songs didn't do that to me, mm-hmm. I, I recognized in this one that just, like, ooh, there's a lot, a lot of weight here. Mm. Um, and if, like, if we have to... No, we don't have to keep taking it back to Elton John. <laughs> um, but it's so damn earnest. And like even before like I understood what the story was, and it's like it's a true story. Uh guy named Victor. Mm-hmm. Uh Victor was born in uh I think spring of forty four, the lyric says. Yep. Um he you know, tough life, didn't know his dad, became a clown came to when uh billy joel toured the ussr in 87 uh promoting the bridge victor came to all seven shows six or seven shows um and uh they got to meet in that verse there to meet him eye to eye and face to face he made my daughter laugh and then we embraced i the the message of the song is very earnest and obviously heartfelt, but I just couldn't get over how, um, uh, hackneyed, I guess some of the lyrics were sure in terms of like, he, he, he does literally say a Russian life is very sad. Yeah. I, I, that, that did. So this is, this is the one song that all three times I listened to the album, uh, at work, you guys, um all three times got me uh but even on the on the last listen even while i was was you know blinking back everything it's like that lyric is not perfect uh i mean that's fine you know not every song has to be poetry but yeah yeah. there were just a couple of times that i kind of grimaced a bit I was um, like, oh, and, and, you know, kind of like the, but, but then thinking about the song coming out in 89, like I think the Berlin wall was still up. Mm. Uh, 
maybe if not when the the song was released but but while it was being written there's a possibility there but uh you know the view of the west towards russia it does fall into some of those cliches and uh you know exoticizing the other and everything like oh it's 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 very miserable and everything Mm. but it also single-handedly ended the cold war this song song? yeah (laughs) amazing it's Uh, i weirdly i've been doing a bit of um bit of googling about the cold war today because um uh mikhail gorbachev died last week oh, so that's i'm gonna right. do a round yeah. about it uh in the quiz and yeah just some of the stuff man just like you know you said oh the it's kind of exaggerating a little bit i think it was pretty bleak in soviet russia you know well you know um, what's what's funny i just made this connection so this song just like gets me right in it I, I don't know why. I don't have a real connection to, to anything that happened. It's just, it's a good story. Yeah. Um, about people coming together. And then the the Robin Williams film, Moscow on the Hudson. Don't know that one. No, it's not beloved. It's not a critical darling necessarily. It's sometimes sort of a punchline. Hmm. Uh, Robin Williams plays a Russian who... Uh, I like he he's I think there with a circus or something like a cultural thing. Uh, they're touring New York, and he he leaves like he he defects. escapes basically. Or he, yeah, defects. That's the word. That movie also just waterworks the whole time, and I'm and I'm sitting there. And I'm like, why is why is it this? Why why is it this? Because I like I'm not <clears throat> I'm not a real America guy, mm. and America stories told from America perspectives, uh, you know, they don't I don't care whatever. But this story, but yeah, Leningrad by Billy Joel and uh, the Robin Williams film Moscow on the Hudson, just East meets West, and I just go like. Mm. I, I, I was okay through Rocky Four though, if if the listener was wondering. <laughs> no problems there. Gosh. Yeah, and just like it's a sparse arrangement, little synthesizer. Um, it's got kind of a Great Gates of Kiev sort of feel at the end of the clip there. I, I just kind of noticed now. Mm. Uh, it's it's kind of got trying to get a Russian sound or, or a Soviet sound in there. Mm. Uh, second single. This is the follow-up to We Didn't Start the Fire. Yeah. That is nuts. Let's see how that charted. My goodness. Mm. Especially Uh, after such an obvious pop song. Yeah. Charts. Uh, It peaked at number 17 in Belgium. Uh, 68 on the Eurochart Hot 100. It does not appear to have charted in the US. Mm. Uh peaked at 14 in West Germany, 53 on the UK singles chart. Did very well in the Netherlands. Wow. So. See also list of anti-war songs. Yeah. Yeah. That's going on my uh, music round this week. Fitting. Yeah, no, it's it's sweet as hell and I love it. 
and we, we got to move on. All right, so State of Grace, uh, to me, listening to this album, uh, acts as a sort of refractory period emotionally uh, after Leningrad. It, it gives you a chance to not worry about what's happening on the album. It's, it's some pleasant enough sounds. It wasn't a single. It just, it's there. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. It, it kind of felt like filler to me. Um not in a terrible way. It's it's no. not a bad song, but yeah, it's just not particularly remarkable. You know, coming at it, knowing nothing yeah. about Billy Joel, it's just like yeah, it's nice enough. But yeah, there's not like a a, a hugely clever conceit or a metaphor. Mm, yeah. There's no you know story or characters that I, I get behind, but it allows me to catch my breath after Leningrad, and for that, I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, all right, yeah, let's roll on. It's Saturday Night Live with Dana Carby. John Lovett. Yeah, it's it's fine. It sounds a bit like it. Uh, obviously, I picked the saxophone solo because uh, I love a good musical guest. <laughs> um, so so this is one of the uh, the songs about my wife. Presumably. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Because she's yeah, exactly. I, I I forget even that it's that it's that. Uh, but yeah, another entry from the world's greatest source of songs about Christy Brinkley. Uh, uh, was not a single I feel like it could have been but it, it is also very much Roll With It by Steve Winwood right um, yeah I, I liked it as, as a kid you know the do as the Romans do my introduction really to the phrase uh, mm. yeah that's it it's it's fine able to to again Recovering from Leningrad. That's that's what these two songs are. Still in are. that mode. It's lifting yeah. you back up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, I guess it just, again, for me, coming from uh, Oliver and Company being my, my <laughs> reference, it's kind of got that vibe still. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. You know, why should a, a I little, worry? Why should I worry? Yeah. yeah. That's the one from the trailer. That's the one I know. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's okay. Again, the third and final, not a single. Um, yeah, and then. And every time I've held a rose, it seems I only felt the thorns. And so it goes. 
and so it goes, and so will you soon, I suppose. But if my silence made you leave. So, uh, and so it goes. That was what, what number single was that? Uh, number six released in 1990 um not as one might think a song about christy brinkley this is a, an older song written in 83 when he was dating l mcpherson uh, okay so still a song about his relationship with a supermodel uh it's a it's a sweet little love song like i'm not a, a traditional love song guy i you know uh i was thinking about it i was like well what are, what are the like love song love songs that i like and I'm like, well it's mm-hmm. like i'll follow you into the dark by death cab for cutie i i need like like an indie twist or or some yeah, something a little off kilter but this it's not a dolly or, or whitney that you're talking about there right yeah but this this absolutely works for me this is the fourth and final song that got me crying at work uh it's yeah, it's it's real sweet. It's it's a it feels like a very thoughtful one. It it feels very like it doesn't play in a lot of generalities like you, mm-hmm. you often hear uh, in in a, a typical sort of pop love song. Uh, well, it's it's barely pop, is it? It's yeah, very kind of folky. It's almost like a hymn. I thought. Yeah, it kind of reminds I, me of um, Jerusalem. The hymn. Okay. Yeah. Um, just, I don't know if it's the right word for it, but like the kind of pace and kind of, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little kind of smoky blues club. There's a little bit to yeah, that, yeah. but, but yeah, I get the, the hymn vibe from it as well. I, I, I hear that, um, production wise, it's the best song on the album because it's the piano and, and the vocal and a touch of synthesizer, like because it's 89 you can't avoid it but i think it's very tastefully done i don't even remember there being synthesizer on it so it must have yeah. been relatively subtle it, it, it definitely is you know what it, it, it's got a tom waits vibe to it you know what? i was just thinking maybe even like leonard cohen like yeah just that that kind of uh maudlin reflectiveness exactly um, yeah but yeah there's some real some real emotion there i i liked this i like this one um not that i disliked any of the the previous ones but well, sure but but yeah this is a definitely a standout track i love yeah and, releasing... and like you said sorry just in, in terms of the 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 sequence of the songs yeah you, you've just had a couple that are probably the weaker ones of, of, of the album. And then to sure. end on this, it's like, Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. It, it really lets you step away from the album in a higher esteem. You're just mm-hmm. like, Oh yeah, that was, that was good. I remember that last track. That was, yeah, I, I think so. I think that's good sequencing. <laughs> yeah. A plus for sequencing. Uh, although, yeah, now that, now that I say it though, like to not open with, we didn't start the fire. That's good. Mm. That's that's uh, a good bit of restraint. Yeah, definitely. Because that, I mean, because we didn't start the fire. It doesn't set the tone for the album. It's it's something that happened, and this is when it happened. This is the album it happened on. 
but mm. starting with uh, that's not her style definitely fits a lot more. Yeah, and I, you know, we've talked before about like carefully choosing which songs you put first and last. Um, yeah, I I feel like with that kind of long, kind of country ish westerny kind of 80s intro wouldn't really work in the middle of an album unless it was the start of side two. Oh yeah yeah oh yeah that with the harmonica and and the yeah yeah it, it's it's a neon beer sign sound is mm. what that is uh spuds mckenzie there are people definitely playing pool yeah 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 that definitely and i guess it, you could put the song somewhere else but you'd have to change that intro mm. But yeah, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a sweet little song. So that's, that's an album I grew up with before I was really developing musical taste. Uh, it's, I, it's, I can't say it's the best Billy Joel album. I can't say it's my favorite Billy Joel album. Uh, you know, as a kid, I was listening to the hits a, a lot and mm. this album came after, the greatest hits volume one and two so this was basically greatest hits volume three right uh when when that finally did come out it was a lot of these and the songs from river of dreams which i also listened to a fair amount Mm. that was the the tour that my parents saw him on it was the 93 river of dreams tour i had that t-shirt for a long time uh, that they (laughs) bought at that tour that's really cool well, yeah, I mean, as an introduction to Billy Joel, kind of. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought it was good. It was it was varied. I I know that he's done a lot more kind of folksy, piano-y stuff earlier on. But I don't know. It, it feels like a slice of the late 80s, you know? It, it really does, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think we co- listen to it again. I think we covered it well. I think we did it justice. I'm excited to not feel like it needs to be on my daily playlist anymore. Uh, so <laughs> I'm going to go to work today and not listen to Stormfront by Billy Joel. Yeah. Uh, I should figure out what I want to listen to. I've I'm I'm all the way caught up on my podcast, and I finished. Oh, I finished the Outsider uh, audiobook. Cool. Yeah, I think the last disc didn't quite rip very well I, I didn't quite get the exact finish but i got close enough that i feel good about it mm. i'll grab it from the library and read the last few pages maybe yeah. uh oh and i started i started listening to a good marriage mm. the short story which i appreciate because it's only three discs long essentially in the way i i put it on my ipod that's you know three podcast episodes yeah i finished one so that's that's nice I, I might, mm. I might for my next audiobook take on Gravity's Rainbow. Oh, wow. Okay. I've, I've had it sitting there for, for a few years and haven't really made that push towards it. I've, I've never, never tried. I'm, um, I'm rereading, uh, his Satanic Verses at the moment. The Satanic Verses? Uh, yeah, the, the Satanic Verses. Obviously, Sam and Rushdie was in the news. Yeah, having been uh, stabbed 
nope, nobody insane. rescinded the the fatwa. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah, really scary that you know multiple people have died because of this book. Um, yeah, I read it when I was you know a teenager to try because... and look cool. Yeah, because really it's called the it Satanic about. Verses. Like, it should be a Mayhem album. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. I don't know. I uh, Let's obviously not get into it, but, um, I, yeah. I still, I don't I don't get it. I don't get it, man. Um, Murdering people and all that. Right. So, yeah. Uh, anything you've been watching? Uh, album that's caught your, that people need to know about? Hmm. <sighs> Um, at the risk of repeating myself, I'm still really enjoying the new Beyonce album. Um, nice. Yeah, I don't know. I'm yeah, just kind of easing myself into spooky season with some uh, horror films and stuff. Oh, yeah, I, I... I bought a very silly one the other day that I've not watched yet. I'm quite excited about. It's called uh, Human Lanterns. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I watched The Fly the other night. The Jeff Goldblum one? Or yeah, the, the Jeff Goldblum one. one. I, mm. Although the Vincent Price one is also on uh, HBO Max. See that? Oh, that's the other thing with HBO Max is it's not just like the original content and the HBO stuff. They've got Turn to Classic Movies, Cartoon Network. Uh, nice. They've got a Studio Ghibli collection. Like there's movies on there that are... So The Fly and The Fly 2, which I, I didn't want to take a chance on at that moment, but... Yeah, Fly 2 messed me up when I was a kid. There's like yeah. a, I think we might have talked about this before. There's like a, um, a puppet of like a kind of diseased dog. Oh no. And it's stuck with me forever. Wow. This poor dog. Clearly a puppet, but still. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. like looking at the inside out baboon from the first movie this time, I'm like, okay, I, I see it more now as a special effect than a, than a, inside out baboon yeah uh but i appreciate it you know on, on that different level it's really good yeah. uh yeah the fly i remember uh channel surfing it was on the sci-fi channel and i was like what is happening <laughs> and so it's you know like during commercial breaks for something else like that would go to commercial i'd watch something else so i, I wasn't like sitting watching the fly but i couldn't have handled it if i had no it's a good point actually i don't know if i've ever watched it the whole way through oh wow because it was one that it was one that i saw when i was a kid um yeah maybe i'll dig it out too yeah i I watched the vincent price one it's fine it's not related except someone turns into a fly it's yeah it's yeah if i hadn't been primed with the shock of a cronenberg uh visual and a surprisingly sexual jeff goldblum uh, when is he not come on yeah well that, that surprising for for my uh connection to him at the time i get it now uh also gina davis that's exciting mm. i don't love a bit did of i gina tell davis. you i had some child messaging me on instagram pretending to be jeff goldblum <laughs> that's that funny so weird. that's weird yeah, I guess it would have been on my old Twitter account, so I don't have it anymore because I posted screenshots. But like, you know, they spelt Jeff Goldblum wrong. Oh, <laughs> like, good. Really? That's that's yeah. so weird. And what a what an individual to choose to imitate. 
hmm. online. Like you're not like, oh, hey, this is Harry Styles or. Yeah. Uh, I so- need a $10 iTunes card to finish my album. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's a good, that's a good scam though. I like the idea that <laughs> you need to pay Apple to put the, the album up that I just need. It's, it's a really common one. You see screenshots of um, people pretending to be celebrities and they're like, hi, this is Steven Spielberg. Um, <laughs> I need you to help me. Send me $10 iTunes gift card so that I can finish my next movie. <laughs> really? Well, I guess, there's a song I want to use, but the budget just doesn't allow for it. So I <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A ten dollar yeah. iTunes gift card to buy the latest Jay Z record. I tend to resist celebrity podcasts, mm-hmm. uh, but I I kept hearing not a ton, but I kept hearing about uh, Data Carvey and David Spade have a podcast. Okay. Uh, I've listened to uh, the first episode is with Chris Rock, mm. uh, and then the second episode's with Rob Lowe, uh, who. I was like, Rob Lowe, that's interesting. He's, he's hosted three times, hosted SNL three times. And uh, as they're talking, like, oh, yeah, he was the villain in uh, Wayne's World. It makes sense that with Dana Carvey. And then he was also the villain in Tommy Boy, which I, I'm not as connected to Tommy Boy. But yeah. Rob Lowe's in that one as well. So they, they know Rob Lowe. They all do a Lord Michaels impression. Brilliant. Yeah. Oh, so, but that's really fun. I am really excited about that that Bjork one that's coming out. Oh yeah, that's great. That does look really good. I mean, she she's such a like a, a pillar, an artistic pillar. Mm. That's what I listen. I listened to some Bjork today. Yeah. Uh, if you I was, if, so, since our last um, chat, I've been making my way through her back catalogue. I'm not. I'm not up to the most recent stuff yet. I think I've I've done like the first five albums so far so that'd be what, debut post uh does that does that get you to I'm medulla not, i'm so bad with the names I so okay the covers. so uh black and white with a big sweater uh is is debut and then uh post is the uh it's like pinks and oranges and like a futuristic yeah, sort of city kind of, yeah and then Mod- hom- homogenic Oh, homogenic. That's the one I was. Yeah. Uh, where she's got the big. Asian y kind yeah. of geisha, that, space yeah. geisha kind of thing. And then is it Medulla after that where it's a white background and she's got like the black oil from X Files? Is it like, like a necklace and a Yeah, like a, as a necklace and a, as a mask, I think, as well. Yeah. Um, and then um, the one we talked about last time, Volta. Volta. Yeah. Mm. So that's as far as I've got. Okay. Oh, so did you not listen to uh, Telegram, the remix album? No, I, I mean, it's, the it's not required albums. listening. I, I won't, I won't pretend it is, but I, there's I, quite a lot of like live albums and remix albums out there, but I thought I'd just stick to the studio albums for now. Yeah. Yeah. And I only know uh, Telegram and Voltaic, which, and Voltaic is just remixes from Volta. Mm. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, but yeah, it's good. It's yeah, a good exercise good. if if you if you enjoy her stuff to just give it a little revisit. Yeah, and uh, 
I guess we ought to, to wrap up uh, Beautiful Babies if you want to uh, see what albums I choose to listen to at work. You can follow me on Twitter at GoatBoy72. I've got a, a thread uh, of that. Uh, you can follow the show. Uh, we're on uh, yeah, we're IIS Pod on Twitter, IIS Podcast on Instagram. Uh, if you want to email us, we're iispod at gmail.com. Uh, and, uh, of course, we've got our uh, fake Patreon, where you can not give us money because we don't want to have to produce that extra content. Uh, that is, of course, fakepatreon.com backslash, very important you do a backslash, uh, iispod. Uh, this week uh, on the... Uh, on the fake Patreon, we will uh, be trying to remember our old MSN Messenger statuses. So oh, wow, you yeah. can hit yeah. us up over there. Uh, <laughs> once we have a, a few more uh, fake Patreon, fake patrons, uh, we'll 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 be reading the the names on the show to to you know as kind of a shout out as a bit of a reward. Uh, let's see. Yeah, anything else? No. All right, then, well, as always. Hey, BJ. What's up, man? Oh, Beans, I told you not to call me that. Hey, you want to hit Billy? Oh, no thanks, Isabella. I got to stay sharp if I'm going to write my story songs. (laughs) Yeah, you stay sharp, BJ. We're going to go dance naked on the beach. You want to come? Oh, I can. I told Captain Jack I'd hold his rod. <laughs> yeah, you go hold his rod, man. <laughs> Standing on the dock, looking at some water, waiting for a change to come my way. Something's up the sun, something's up the daughters. Isabella's eyes.